The Guardian. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, R&B star Dawn Richard tells us why she's a fan of Joan of Arc and New York's Parquet Courts pick the five tracks that inspire them. And on Singles Club, we rate and review Menace Beach, Jeremiah and Shlomo and Troubadour. That's all on Music Weekly from The Guardian. Joining us in the studio this week is The Guardian's Jude Rogers. Hello Jude, how are you doing? Hello, I'm very well, thanks. How are you both? I'm good, I'm alright, I'm alright. Uh, I'm in mourning because Ray's light has split off. I'm in mourning about Girls Aloud. Uh, Girls Aloud, that's, that's actually sad though, isn't are it? Are you actually yeah. mourning? No. No, no. Well, I actually sort of think Ray's light are a good band to have. A, you know, It's good to have like stupid bands, isn't it? <laughs> you think stupid bands are a good thing? Yeah, there was that picture with their silly hats. Silly hats, and he was just generally a... Uh, I just sort of an idiotic figure. There was a great interview that Laura Barton did very early on, which kind of let him hang himself. Really. Did he, is that one where he compared himself to Dylan? And yeah, it was Dylan. quite something. Yeah. But yeah, I I like pop stars who've got ambition, even though mm. it might be misplaced. A friend of do mine. You, do you mean the you mean the individual members are a bit stupid, or they represent something stupid? I mean the guy in charge is right. a bit stupid. Right. A friend of mine interviewed him, and his opening words to my friend. Was he came in and he went, "Hi, I'm feeling very, very, very inspired today." <laughs> As my friend said, it was at that point that I realised I was dealing with a total penis. <laughs> so, um, so but girls allowed it probably just as well. Maybe girls yeah. allowed go their separate ways. Yeah, are you upset? I'm sending solidarity. Did you to see Sarah them live? You, you, with who? Which one? Sarah Harding. Why Sarah Harding? Because I feel like she needs a bit of a cuddle. Yeah, more Aww. than anybody else. I think she probably she? does. Yeah, solidarity. Hey! <laughs> um, aside from them splitting up uh, and Ray's light splitting up, we have the Glastonbury lineup. We do. We do. Which, as, as we're actually recording this, is still top secret. By is the it? time this is broadcast, will be widely known. Headliners are the Arctic Monkeys. We should do a drum roll or something. The headliners are the Arctic Monkeys, uh, Mumford and Sons, and the Rolling Stones. I think we can all agree the Rolling Stones is a good. Good yeah. thing. Yeah, definitely. Can't we? Yeah. So exciting. Um, what else is, is taking... I mean, the thing about Glastonbury I think is always important is, of all the festivals, it's the one that isn't really about the headliners. Obviously, don't tell Mick Jagger that. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, further down the bill, what do we like and look at? I don't of? know. I felt like it was about Beyonce and Jay-Z, wasn't it? Those years. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. But when them. you go... Oh, OK, yeah. I see what you, mean. <laughs> you sort of go off... And the, the idea of Glastonbury is not that you stand... You know, like most festivals, mm, you go right. on the main stage and you stand there and you watch the bands that come on. Now at Glastonbury, you go and you wander and you discover, yeah. you know, stuff that's happening and elsewhere. And And, and, and must, <laughs> I wouldn't want to discover him. <laughs> Down at the stone circle. I've read, read his writing. He seems like a right knobhead. Cosine. What else on that bill is appealing? Public Enemy. Portis Head. Azealia. Kenny Rogers, very exciting. Kenny Rogers, yeah. not my dad. Sort of Sunday afternoon. He, he must be, mustn't he? he I once saw the most amazing bit of footage of Kenny Rogers I've ever seen. And I was in Jamaica, I was in Kingston in Jamaica, and I turned the telly on. And one of the things very few people know about Jamaica is that country and western is huge. There's a th- weird thing about country and western amongst older people in Jamaica. Wow. And this clip was of Kenny Rogers on stage in Jamaica. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a very famous clip of the Rolling Stones at the Royal Albert Hall, I think 1965-66, where they're trying to play and they're being sort of people just running on stage and like clinging onto them and they're getting knocked over. It's actually quite <laughs> a, a, a scary. This was like that. 
But it was Kenny Rogers with these like big, <laughs> like big middle-aged Jamaican women taking the stage and like grabbing oh, him. And stuff. It was absolutely amazing. Um, anyway, yes. Um, we got pill. That's quite exciting. Pill's quite good. Um, I think the thing that I like about it is something for everybody. I like that if you don't want to go and see the Rolling Stones, headlining on the other stage, it's chasing status. Probably not too much crossover in the Chase and Status slash Rolling Stones fan base. I think that's clever, clever billing. Lots of uh, this year's big bands as well. Savages, Peace, Jaguar Ma, who I really love. Jaguar Ma are good, aren't they? Actually, actually so Savages. Peace, I don't like. But um, (laughs) there's all sorts of uh, good lineup of dance stuff as well. There seems to be a stage uh, exclusively devoted to uh, to sort of dad disco, which is, you know, please me, horse meat disco playing. And and, uh, Bill Bruce, the friend of the pod, is playing as well. Um, And Disclosure. And rudimental and Nas. That's yeah, good. Nas is headlining That's the dance wicked. stage. Uh, week the weekend is headlining what used to be the jazz slash world stage on the Sunday night. Mm. Which, bearing in mind, the next gigs he's playing in Britain are at the O2, they're the arenas. Mm. I went and saw the weekend this this weekend. Oh, did you? <laughs> Funnily yeah. enough, very interesting. Any other news this week? I like the Dave Grohl and Lee from Blue story. That's what? What? Oh, um, apparently, what? Lee from Blue had annoyed Dave Grohl's bar, but. Um, how do you annoy, how do you annoy Dave Grohl? I caught up with this There's two people in the world have annoyed Dave Grohl. It's Lee from Dave Blue Grohl and Courtney Love. Dave Grohl was at a bar and Lee, <laughs> Lee from Blue was there and Lee, Lee from Blue was annoying him because he's going, I've sold loads of records and Dave Grohl wasn't. Or something along these lines. But um, now the, the latest development in this very exciting story is that they actually get on very well and Dave Grohl thinks that Lee from Blue is a really good bloke. So wow. oh, well, the next nice. crazy collaboration. He's going to uh, take Kurt's place in Nirvana. <laughs> That'd be absolutely fantastic. That's what Kurt blew his brains out for, so that the band might reform with with a better man, Lee from Blue, on vocals. How cool is that? How cool would that be? Lee Who's from your favourite member, Jude? Who's my favourite one? Member of Blue. I used to like Duncan back in the day. So he was quite cute. And this was uh, yeah. when I was long past my boy band yeah, yeah. fandom period. But uh, yeah, I was Duncan. Once, uh, He's quite. Uh, I yeah, was once using a, right. uh, 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 I was <laughs> once at the uh, studios of uh, Daybreak. The, uh, oh, ITV how exciting! Nice. They're trialing you the, for the uh, presenter role. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's me or Alan Jones. And, you know, <laughs> once again, the Welsh mafia that runs the media. <laughs> um, no, uh, I was I was there with uh, this. This gives you dates the whole story a bit. I was there with Preston, <laughs> and um, I went to the lavatory and was using the urinals. And uh, Duncan from Blue came into the, the lavatory, looked at me, and gave me this look that was like, yeah, that's right, it's me. And I thought, you know, it's six o'clock in the morning, mate. You know, I barely know why. Who the fuck are you, old pal? Um, so, anyway, but that's good. I quite like the idea that Dave Grohl and... Uh, Lee could be friends. friends. There's been lots of nuts news this week, and there's also uh, the news that next Wednesday, the 3rd of April, British Sea Power are launching their album... Uh, the new album, Machineries of Joy, which is very good, um, with a cruise on, on the Thames from Westminster Pier, followed by Mystery Tour in a British Sea Power bus across London, featuring dancers, communist table tennis, a beer bar, <laughs> accurate timetabling, cash prizes, and historical sightseeing. Wow. So there you go. That's amazing. Perfect. I think it's good. We, we seem to be entering a new era of big... Of communist ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, of big album launches, because uh, oh, last yes. week... We were given the opportunity, I think most, most, most sort of journalists were given the opportunity, to go paintballing with Tyler, the creator of Odd Future. Yeah, right. I didn't go. I was invited, but was too scared to go. He's not <laughs> the first person I would consider giving a gun of any kind to. <laughs> I'd say so. I don't feel like he'd go lightly on me, despite being quite small. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I've, I've met, like, as you know, I've met Tyler, the creator, and he seemed a yes. thoroughly nice, you know, very intelligent, uh, you know, thoughtful man, not quite 
uh, like his public image. But there was a little edge to it. I mean, you sort <laughs> yeah. of thought, I bet you could really kick off if you wanted to. You know, I understand how you end up in all this trouble. You know, and that the memory of that. And also his just ability to get quite worked up about nothing. I know when I interviewed him, he'd be kind of talking normally. And you'd be saying, oh, yeah, and the thing about that, you know, people are critical of us and da da da. And by the end of it, he'd be going, and that's why I say fuck you and suck a dick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily give you a gun. Um, that's the thing. He needs an outlet for his energy, so maybe yeah. paintballing is a natural. The one I would have given so. a gun to of out of Odd Future, Left Brain. Because <laughs> Left Brain was so stoned when I met him, that Left Brain wouldn't would try and eat the gun or something. Yeah. Like that. Left Brain, you know, put it on his head and try. Oh, look, um, look, I got the most swag. Um, so anyway, look, I think that is that's the news. Isn't that's it? all the news. <laughs> Former member of P. Diddy girl group Danity Kane and Diddy Dirty Money Dawn Rashad is now striking out on her own. Last year, Dawn released the Armour On EP, one of The Guardian's top 40 of 2012. Now she's following it with her debut solo album, Goldenheart, which, get this, depicts her as a Joan of Arc-style figure waging a holy war in the name of love. Aren't we all? Dawn came in to talk to Alex McPherson. I just felt like conceptually putting out this album, it had to be... A story, almost similar to a novel. Really, when I wake up in the morning, I literally feel like I'm slaying dragons and putting on armor. And I know that may sound cliche or maybe even a little too fairy tale, but if you kind of have seen my life throughout the last six or seven years, you it won't seem far fetched. And I kind of fell in love with that. And growing up loving Chaucer and Shakespeare and, and looking at The Messenger as one, you know, which is a Joan of Arc film. I feel like it's reminiscent and very um, parallel to my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've described yourself as a Joan of Arc of the future, and yeah. you've referred to her when you're um, in fashion shoots and stuff, when you're creating a look for that. There's lots of medieval imagery going on throughout the album as well, with knights and I face the beast with my bare hands. Yeah. How does Joan of Arc inspire you? The look of her. I think mm-hmm. the choices. You know, she cut off her hair to try to blend in with the men around her to, to try to get them to understand that the message was more important than the look of it. And that can be so true here. Like, I mean, I feel like sometimes we get diluted with the idea that if I look pretty, then I'll listen to your music. However, however pretty you look is, then I'll give you the chance to listen to your music. Whereas the message here is the message is so much bigger than the look. I use her as imagery because um, I like the androgyny of it all, like the lines between hard and soft and firm and and and, and smooth. And, and I feel like I'm a lot of those things. And I feel like sometimes I'm a, my approach to music is very aggressive, but there's a vulnerability behind it. Can you talk about the response to Golden Heart? It's been incredible, especially critically, like just all around, just really incredible and really humbled by it because we had no idea it would be this, you know, this this critically acclaimed. But not only that, the fan base, they just get it. And we're so grateful for it because we took a big risk with this one. Having one sole producer and no collabs, no features, that's all big risk because, um, 
no one really knows me as a solo artist. And coming from so many different groups, usually you need a cosign. Usually you need someone to say, no, she's the one or he's the one. And we didn't have that. Um, so for it to do, you know, number one on R&B iTunes in, what, seven hours? And um, to chart in five different charts on Billboard with no help is um, just incredible. Um, and one remarkable thing about this entire story for me, um, sort of a little history for the listeners who might not know, um, you were made homeless after Hurricane Katrina. And then from there you went, you auditioned for Making the Band, which is an American reality TV show created by Diddy. Uh-huh. And from there you went into Dante Kane, the girl group. And from there you went into Diddy's own Such trio, journey. Diddy Dirty Money. <laughs> and then from there you left Diddy's label Bad Boy and went completely independent. So having been through the major label system, you're now, you just have a team of five people. Five. And it's with the team of five people that you've created Armavon from last year and Golden Heart this year. Mm. Uh, so how how's that sort of affected your creativity and how's that worked out for you, that sort of trip through the major label system and then to independence? That journey that I've been through um, marked literally the six years that I went through is Golden Heart, Black Heart and Redemption Heart and will be that story. Mm-hmm. And I think once I'm done, I'll be able to never talk about it again. Mm-hmm. You know, I never got a chance to tell it. These three albums will be that story, and then I'll leave it for the world to see it and dissect it the way they see fit. Of course, you've had to do everything yourself. Yeah. Not, not just the The financial, the artist part. I mean, literally, um, Juski and I, um, are we are the PR. We are the, the management. We are the bag carriers. We are the, <laughs> the hairdressers and the makeup artists. We are all those things. Um, but it's like any small business. Um, but the good thing about that is we've developed some amazing relationships because of it. Because we are going and literally shaking every hand. We're doing all the smaller markets just as well as the big ones. We're doing like similar to the old indie rock bands and hip hop artists that would do it out of their little small vans. Yeah. And it's creating this amazing following. It's a movement. Golden Heart is first in the planned trilogy. Yeah. So what do you have planned, planned for the next two albums? Where, um, where, how do they pick up where Golden Heart leaves off? Well, everything is, is broken down into three parts. And um, I felt like um, my story had to be told that way. The reason why um, Golden Heart was so so overwhelming, it was 16 songs, is because kind of when you first start, the na- you're naive. You just kind of throw everything out there. When you go into a war or a battle, you have no clue what you're doing. You're just running free ball out there like, I'm going to kill everything, and you have no clue what to expect. And, and Golden Heart really is that naivety, throwing it all out there and hoping you receive it. Black Heart will be the fall. It will, it will be the realization that um, you're not going to be all right. You will fall, and you won't win everything. And so there will be a heaviness to it, less backgrounds, less dubs, really just me vocally, a lot of singing, a lot of singing. And Redemption Heart will be the jubilation. It will be the realization that you had to fall to get back up, the comeback. So it will be similar to a three-part book series, you know, and it will be my truth. Love. 
That was Alex McPherson talking to Dawn Richard. Let's crack on with Singles Club. First up, my choice. That's Menace Beach and Dropouts. Menace Beach are a side project of one of the guys from Hookworms, if you're aware of Hookworms, the psychedelic Leeds band. There's a bit of a uh, thing around them at the moment. Um, uh, They're a bit more, I think Menace Beach are a bit more melodic uh, than Hookworms, who are perhaps concentrating on replicating the darker side of the psychedelic experience. (laughs) Um, And it's pretty shouty and stuff like that. I like it very much indeed. I heard this uh, while I was just looking for Hookworms tracks to listen to. This is a single that is coming out as part of Two Pure, the label Two Pure Singles Club. It's got that kind of uh, sort of slacky, slackery, sort of almost Dinosaur Julia-esque vibe to it. It's got quite that sort of production with all the phasing and all that kind of thing. thought it was a good song. Um... The end. <laughs> That's all. Reminds me of the um, Dandy Warhols quite a lot, actually. Um, it's got Ooh. that kind of. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it really did. It, you know, um, I had several points. I wanted to go heroin is so. Oh yeah, say. I suppose so. Yes, I'm It's got that, that kind yeah. of um, very early '90s sort of sound to it. The chorus, I was sure I'd heard somewhere else, and I looked around to see if I could find the chorus somewhere else, but I couldn't. Right. So that's mark of a good song. That is a mark of a good song. Or they've. Ripped something off that I couldn't Super find. Super obscure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, could have got radio written all over it. That one, hasn't you it? think so? Yeah, very much so. Quite interesting production. Yeah. It's very sort of distorted, and um, yeah. I, I, but I can imagine that you know it could have been a six me- big six music song. I can yeah, imagine it being so. um, you know after especially we have bands last year like Django Django who were melodic but had that kind of interesting yeah. kind of slightly. Um, yeah, as you say, fuzzy and weird production stuff going on. Those kind of garage kind of ticks to it. Karen. Yeah, that's what I like most about it. Those, um, it, it's almost a little bit bored sounding, but not as a, <laughs> but not as a criticism. You know, no, no, like no, no, you mean. no, no, absolutely. That was the early nineties sound. That's, that's, yeah, that's that the late of, 80s sound of Dinosaur Jr. Exactly <laughs> that, like Oasis-y vocals where they really like elongate their vowels mm. and it's a bit distorted um, and it's a little bit pared down. And I think that that while being quite catchy can be quite hard to do, but when it works, it works. Mm. So actually, it was quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, that's a roundabout. It's on SoundCloud to listen to now. Now, both sides of the single, it's coming out on a seven-inch single uh, on Two Pure Records shortly. Um, but you can hear it now. Let's move on to Kieran's choice. Jeremy. Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah. It's what's spelt in this funny way? Yes. <laughs> um, Jeremiah and Shlomo. Not the Shlomo, the human beatboxer from Buckinghamshire Shlomo. <laughs> there is. Yeah. 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 Look at no, me. I've seen Shlomo, Shlomo beatboxer. Yeah, I thought um, it was. I, I did hope that at some point when I was listening to that record, Shlomo would appear. <laughs> <laughs> You know, doing all that kind of thing. Brilliant human. If anybody amazing. wants to employ me yeah, as a human being, yeah, it's amazing. I've got skills. Me and Justin Timberlake. Amazing. Um, 
Uh, I did hope for a bit of human beatboxing. Alas, human beatboxing came there none. So from this, I deduced it is not Shlomo. It is not. The Buckinghamshire LA producer Shlomo. Okay. I spy a court battle <laughs> over over that name. Um, who is um, Jeremiah? Uh, who wants to spell his name properly? Because I thought it was called Jeremy. <laughs> Well, that's how it's Jeremy. I mean, it is spelled I are, in it. I have never, like, I've never heard that confused, which is... Which is You've never heard? But Let's just spell no. this. J-E-R-E-M-I-H. No A. No A. Jeremiah. Jeremy. <laughs> Particularly, I'm from Yorkshire. That's how you say Jeremy in Yorkshire. Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> let me Jeremy and Shlomo. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's, anyway, yes, let's... let's uh, yeah, tell us, so who is Jer- Jeremiah? Jeremiah. So, um... He is an R&B artist from the US. He, in 2010, he uh, did, had a big track called Birthday Sex, which was kind of one of the big... It was a huge, yeah, huge No, R&B no, no. I didn't, I just, that was, I think, was on the great. music podcast before, I'm sure. Was it? Years it was, ago, yeah. Right, I yeah, that it was song. Try to eradicate great. that one from... Uh, that one and the one about... Um, <laughs> Birthday Sex. The one about oral sex that that woman from uh, Destiny's Child did. Kelly Rowland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was a really big uh, mainstream track, and it, was, it kind of had all those classic tropes of sort of, to, you know, R&B towards the end of the noughties, or the first decade of the noughties. Um, we, we, you just, would define those classic tropes as what? Uh, well, it was just, you know, quite a, like that 4-4 beat. The video, he was, like, topless and sort of gyrating. It was very, like, clean-cut, very, mm. you know, none of this. So it was kind of it was one of these sort of ravey house tracky kind of things, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. definitely not kind of old. That sounds awful. Old <laughs> R&B. <laughs> Well, it was of the time. It was of the time. But I, I still really like it. It was really catchy. Okay. Then he uh, collaborated with LA producer and Beatsmith. <laughs> Not beatboxer. Not, Not beatboxer. Shlomo. Uh, Shlomo. Shlomo is known for working with whom? Other than, um, other than Jeremy. Well, he does a lot of he, do, he does a lot of remixes on various people's tracks, but this is I think this is what he's been most known. This as. is sort of big project. Yeah, this coupling yeah. has been like like this is this has been quite a big deal. It's one of the biggest tracks of last year. It's called Fuck You All The Time. And they did it Man, this guy's together. titles could really use a bit of work. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind my saying, like, fuck you all the time and birthday sex. And anyway. Then, uh, Jeremiah released his um, Late Nights with Jeremiah EP last year, which pairs his kind of R&B falsetto vocals with the kind of drum machines that Shlomo has. But this track, do you write what's actually called Bo Peep? Um, what? It's called Bo Peep. Oh, right, okay. Why yeah. was it written down as Do You Write? I don't know. I don't know, because the chorus... Do You Write in the, the chorus, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, the chorus is Do You Write. So okay. That. okay. Does but Bo Peep Do You Write? Does it? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but this is... Confusing. Stop Bo Peep confused. Bo Peep is a better title than Birthday Sex, though, I think. Bo Peep is a... Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's better than Do You Write. But this is, like, a, a, a huge track at the moment. It's what, like, Zane Lone would call the hottest track in the world or whatever it's been. Like, you can hear it on one extra, you can hear it on rinse, you can hear it on... Entry, like Zane Lowe isn't playing that. It'd be amazing Zane Lowe would never play this. But, you know, it's just, it's one of those tracks where if you were listening to one extra, you'd be like, God, they're playing this, this song again. all the time. Yeah. yeah. And, like, this, it's been played in, sort of, clubs for the past month or so. So it feels like, like, to me, it feels like it's been really overplayed and overheard. I've but never heard of it. you don't know his name, no. so I guess that's not, not actually the case. But that's it. why But do you think it's destined for me? Mainstream, you know, success. Do you think it's destined to break out of the one extra playlist and onto the Radio One playlist, for example? I mean, I think possibly it could. I mean, it'd probably have to have a lot of bleeping out and censorship and stuff, wouldn't it? But mm. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like you know, a, the kind of dominant urban inverted commas sound is this kind of alternative R and B thing, indie R and B. So I feel like that. So that I feel like that is a mainstream sound, but yeah, I, I, don't completely, know I completely agree. Yeah. So yeah. for that reason, I think that that could probably could be reflected, but I don't think it's going to be playlisted by Radio One anytime soon. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. 
The conventional is now experimental. Mm. The experimental is now conventional, as Mark A. Smith once said. Um, (laughs) So, yes, uh, Jude. Yeah, I liked it. Mm. I liked it. You know, this is a world that is slightly outside my world, admittedly. But, um, yeah, I really liked it. Um, I liked it too. Good. Uh, I, I, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I like the vocals. I mm-hmm. like. It's funny you were saying about the first track about the uh, Menace Beach track about the kind of slow down, slack vocals, and that sort of seems to be a thing in R and B as well at the mm-hmm. moment. Is that, is that? Am I completely making that up? I don't. Yeah. Everything I hear kind of seems to have this, this slightly stoned, you know, kind of flow to it. It's but I think in culture, I think it's it's quite uncool to be overexcited about anything anyway, isn't That's it? That's true. It's it sort is, of in popular it? culture at the moment. Studied is. anyway. Not if you're Zane Lowe. <laughs> Not if you're Zane Lowe. Or any Radio 1 DJ. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. No, there's studied on real about it, isn't there? It's yeah, like, exactly. Someone said, someone said this about, about Twitter. Well, Charlie Brooker cool. said, you know, if you watch any TV programme on Twitter, you know, if you've got Twitter on when you're watching any TV programme, it's like studied indifference. Yeah, is the thing that everybody wants to attain some sort of comical studied indifference and that's a you know yeah. always that's kind of a sad thing it's very it? sad I don't like it so um, I thought I it was good I think it's interesting what you're saying that that kind of indie R&B sound is sort of the mainstream and that this sort of more straightforward thing I just thought it was a good song Absence of Human Beatboxing notwithstanding <laughs> oh Jeremiah um, this is just I mean this is a single is this come off is a forthcoming album um, hopefully but I don't think so <laughs> I think it's probably a standalone this one and has his... he got a label deal? This guy is he? Uh, yeah, he's on he's on Def Jam. Oh right, so well he was on Def Jam, but now he's got I don't know what the deal is because when he did Birthday Sex, that's when he was kind of he'd had this huge, very female, very young following. Sure, the kind of uh, you know like Chris Brownites, I guess. Yeah. Um, no. And and now now it's kind of got a bit more like cool kiddie hipstery. So okay, I don't that's know. interesting. Yeah, so I don't know what direction he's going to take next, but okay. either way, you can find this on SoundCloud. Wonderful. Uh, let's move on to Jude's Choice. That's Troubadour. That's spelled with a W in the Welsh style. Uh, and that track is called Safe. Um, Jude, tell us about Troubadour. So yes, Troubadour, T-R-W-B-A-D-O-R, Troubadour. Um, they're from Carmarthenshire in South Wales. I'm not from Carmarthenshire. I don't know them. Right. Um, <laughs> they has, uh, they're Deers, and a brilliant name. I'm, I'm probably going to get the surname right, but I will get the first name right. And Harad van Rieswijk. He was half Welsh, half Dutch. Wow. Um, and um, the other guy's called Owain Gwilym. Very <laughs> definitely <laughs> He's fully definitely Welsh. Welsh yeah. <laughs> um, and they record together in the attic of a flat that they share together in uh, the rural wilds of uh, Carmarthenshire. <laughs> and they record all the sounds they make themselves from, um, you know, kind of synthesizers, but also other stuff. To me, I heard this and thought, amazing, at last, it's a Welsh broadcast. Very exciting. <laughs> it's quite funny. There seems to be lots of bands, well, not lots of bands, um, indie bands that are doing more sort of woozy psychedelic stuff with the music as well. Mm. Um, Tubidal's album is out um, very soon, which has um, kind of a range of styles on it. It has some stuff that's a bit more kind of clubby, um, mm. some stuff that's a bit more folky. Young Harrod's voice lends itself 
very nicely to that folk style. Um, there's also another great new band um, called Low C, who are like okay. uh, the darker, weirder side of broadcast. Okay. Um, we, who are quite terrifying, lots of terrifying edges and sounds, and have a brilliant video for their latest single. Low C is in low and the um, C. Low the as in the world, the, the world, the, the word world. low, mm-hmm. L O W, and then the word C as in the watery thing, S E. Oh, okay. Well, uh, a. Yeah. yeah, they're really great. Um, but yeah, Welsh broadcast is basically there. We are. That's me done for the year. Um, I like, <laughs> I liked it. Uh, I think it's more pop. This one is a bit more. This yeah. particular track. This is a single. This is a bit. Uh, this is kind of um, the chorus really reminded me of the broadcast sound. But mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. It's much more radio sharp and that yep, kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I thought it was really good. Um, it was again one of those things you could sort of imagine, as you said, of the Menace Beach track on the radio. Uh, we like everything. Six this week. music. We do like everything. This mm-hmm. week. There's no. But that's because we've got all three of us have got brilliant taste. That is so true. <laughs> um, and you liked Kieran, didn't you? Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it almost uh, sounded a bit Robin esque. Is it? Had that's to- a very that's a very opposite comparison. Oh, that's yes. good. Um, I loved the voice. I liked that you could hear a real digital imprint as well, and that those opening notes are really demanding. Like as soon mm. as it started, I think I was drawn in. And then a, a minute, sort of a minute or so in, there's a bit of a turn, isn't there? Mm. Um, and it's it, quite it, weird. It, it kind of yeah, it really dislocates you. It goes all like falsetto and almost a bit sort of choiry. Uh, and I really liked that. I thought that was really interesting, and it was cool. Yeah, I, I, I found out about them um, about two or three weeks ago when I was doing a big piece on record shops, The Observer, which was out uh, recently, um, by um, asking a guy called Matt from the shop Tangled Parrot in Carmarthen <laughs> what his recent favourite record was, and uh, I buy stuff from them online quite often, and uh, yeah, he said, you will really like this band, and thank you, Matt, you were right, I do. That's amazing, uh, and there's an album out shortly? Yes, there is. Um, the single is out uh, next week, next Monday. And is this a single? This is a single, oh, yeah. Right, and, the al- okay. and the album is out next week or the week after. I annoyingly don't have the name of the album here, but it's coming up very soon. Fantastic. We'll check them out online, Troubadour, T-R-W-B-A-D-O-R. And that single is also on SoundCloud. You can hear Oh, it that's on SoundCloud. Well, you can hear everything on SoundCloud this week. Every single track on SoundCloud. Wonderful. That is Singles Club. Parquet Courts are a terrific new band from New York with echoes of everything from television to Jonathan Richmond to The Strokes. They're the most New York band you're ever likely to hear, even though they're originally from Texas. They came in to talk to Michael Hahn about the five tracks that inspire them. I'm here with Andrew and Sean from Parquet Courts. And how are you enjoying England so far? Beautiful. Yeah, it's just great. Hell of a place, I love it. Having a great time. Now, you're here to talk about five songs that have informed Parquet Court's aesthetic. Let's start with the first one, which is Kicked Out, Kicked In by Dead Moon. It was one of those songs where I found myself, I really, you know, stood up from the couch that I was on and kind of the song like dragged me into the room and I just stood there and I wanted to listen. It's one of those songs where you hear it once and you're, as soon as it's over, you just want to keep playing it. Yeah, and we did. I think we listened to it three times. And it was cool for me witnessing that because, I mean, it's really cool when you, when you witness someone like 
who's just found one of their favorite songs. So I felt like that had happened to Sean, and he just like came in the room with his eyes wide open. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and a track one, side one, is that a big deal for you? Because on your album, "Master of My Craft," is such a great start. The first time I put your album on, I took me four or five listens to get to the second track because I kept going back to play it's "Master a, of My Craft." Again. It's an important position. There's there's several like key positions in the you know anatomy of a record, and that's a that's a big one. It's gotta gotta be something's gonna knock you on your ass, you know. It's like okay, I can I can keep listening to this. Well, as soon as you'd written Master of My Craft, was that one of those songs? That, right, that's the opening track of the album. Oh, I knew. We know that, we're going with that. I knew that would be the first song. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Your second song is "The Modern Age" by The Strokes. the drummer chose that one of the group he's the Strokes fan um, I don't dislike the Strokes but I hear them only through Max and I think that his drumming style comes a lot from um, the dude that drums from the Strokes you know he's my brother so I've heard him listening to that band you know since you know he was a kid so so which were the groups who you first heard when you were kids that really excited you I feel like Sean and I have a pretty similar story in that we first kind of got really into music through uh, underground punk and hardcore scene. Uh, maybe around 14, I started buying Maximum Rock and Roll, probably like the biggest like DIY underground fanzine in the U.S. And started going to shows around 14, 15. Wouldn't you say it's the same for you, Sean? Yeah, totally. I, I had the... Um I guess I was really lucky growing up because I kind of came up in a community that was really sort of art-focused, and there were a lot of shows, and kids took it upon themselves to set up shows, and my brother got me really into punk also, and I don't know, yeah, I think that Andrew and I share gravitating towards, you know, VFW Hall, like, basement show kind of scene. So this is all-ages hardcore shows, those kind of things. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's where we cut our teeth, and it's kind of like an attitude of... You know, if you're going to do something right, do it yourself kind of thing. Next record is Dire Wolf by The Grateful Dead. When I awoke the wolf, 600 pounds of sin Was grinning at my window All I said was, come on in Don't murder me I beg you, don't murder me Please don't murder me I'm guilty of having sort of previously had a fairly limited understanding of the Grateful Dead. Those sort of, you know, you hear trucking all the time and you're kind of like, okay, I get this band there, whatever, you know. And I sort of wrote them off as just something that I wasn't really interested in or didn't speak to me. And I had actually heard that song for the first time. My fiance and I were, we spent like an afternoon listening to, to that record, Working Man's Dead. I, I don't know, I must feel guilty, you know, saying it, because it made me sort of realize that an ignorance I had about, about the band, and now I'm just a huge fan. The Dead are a band who could only have come from the States. I don't mean the sense yeah. that they were born in America. No, I know what you mean. It's a completely American thing. Do you see Parquet Courts in the same way as a completely American band? Oh, big time, yeah, totally. Uh, you know, there is a quality in American music that I don't think 
the English has, have ever really got, and I, I feel the same way, vice versa. I don't really like it when English bands attempt to sound American because there's just something that doesn't work, and it goes back to, like, the books you read as a kid, the slang you used as a kid, the TV shows you watched, music you heard. And it's the same thing when American brand, bands try to sound like New Order or something. It just, like, something doesn't work. There's, there's, there's a, there's something that makes us very American or very British, and there's, like, a very, I guess, tiny... Venn diagram where the two meet, and um, and that Venn diagram is is Def Leppard, really. Do you think so? <laughs> Do you think they're the nexus? <laughs> the next record is "New Face in Hell." Sure, by the Fall. Yeah. Now, where can we see the fall most clearly in what you do? Is Marky e. Smith's approach with you using confusion as a tactic something you admire? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it, Maybe it's up to you to decide where the fall fits in the parquet courts. I can talk about New Face in Hell because that's, that's one of the first fall songs that really clicked with me, especially lyrically. It's a song where it's so verbose and he's just like, spitting out these words at the speed of light and it's and it's such a it's such an interesting song in that the there's only really like like two chords in the whole song just a but he's just like firing away like a madman and that's something I've always admired about that guy is he kind of has like a a, a recklessness with words and just kind of lets things come out but at the same time it, it it's very tasteful now the last record you've picked is Mother of Pearl by Roxy Music. Oh yeah. Oh Mother of Pearl, I wouldn't change you for the whole world. You're highbrow, holy, with lots of soul melancholy shimmering. Serpentine sleekness was always my weakness, like a but no dilettante filigree fancy beats the plastic that's a hell of a song just because the lyrics are amazing I mean the way I interpret them is kind of like a an existential crisis where he's gotten like I guess too far deep into the superficial lifestyle and is kind of putting himself in check and so it's like it's cool because the first part of the song's kind of fast and chaotic and then it slows down and becomes this really pretty kind of confessional almost with Brian Ferry kind of describing all the pitfalls of this like excessive lifestyle. The first time I heard that song I was immediately drawn to in the second part it had this sort of moment for me where you listen to it and you're like, wow, like what, they, what a cool idea for like the vocal structure. Like Sonically, it's just textured in such an awesome way. And I'm just so drawn to it. And it's like really kind of haunting and chilling and yeah. a little bit sad. Yeah, exactly. And there's a live version of that song um, that you can find on YouTube uh, where he's wearing like this white tuxedo. And it's really one of like the more compelling live performances I've ever seen. It kind of gave me chills. Well, when you see old Roxy clips, you always think, all bands, all bands should dress like that. They should all come on in naval uniforms or, or what have you. I mean, if you're going to decide to be a performer and you're, you're going to be like an entertainer, 
then just fucking go for it. And that's, I think, what Brian Ferry did. I don't have the cojones to, to rock it like he did. And Park Acourt's debut album, Light Up Gold, will be released over here on April the 15th. That's it for this week. My thanks to Jude. Thank you, Jude, for coming in. Thank you. Um, thanks to Dawn Richard uh, and indeed Park Acourt's. And indeed to you. Um, <laughs> check out guardian.co.uk forward slash music weekly for more information on the show. Me and Kieran will be back next week. See you then. Bye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.